What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Behind the Back Pod. My name is Ben Retz, and alongside me, as always, my homie, Marcos Cohen-Dinegron. How are you, brother? Oh, I'm doing great, dude. We got a lot of fun stuff to talk about. I'm happy it's just basketball, but, you know, I'm feeling good. I'm a little nervous about tonight, but I'm feeling good. How are you? Yeah, I'm I'm feeling really good, too. So we're nervous about tonight because it is November 1st, Wednesday, at 6.05, meaning the Kings play the Warriors in Golden State in 55 minutes and unfortunately there's some factors going into this game that don't necessarily make it favorable for us but we will get into that as as this progresses so why don't we start off by talking about the second game of the season kings versus warriors what were your thoughts yeah so it was a game that felt like the kings were in control for most for the first part and like what really happened was something that the kings were actually really good at last year was their ability to adjust especially after halftime we usually we were coming out really strong out of the gate in halftime and that was that has not been the case and this happened with the lakers game and the warriors game they outscored us 39 to 27 and that was and i mean they had a huge second quarter too so that was a problem but it's it's hard i just i didn't I don't think we were anticipating, and this is our fault for underestimating him as always, Stephen Curry, just yeah. starting off hot. And I, that was a bummer to see like just how well he played. And it just, just like game seven, it just took the wind out of our sails, especially as the game got, you know, going later on. Yeah. Um, Matt George, he's a, uh, he does the Locked on Kings podcast. Heck yeah. He, he said it best the other day. He said, Steph Curry is a minority owner of the Sacramento Kings at this point. <laughs> and you kind of you kind of got to give that light because, you know, what's awesome is um, last year, a little bit of a story real quick. Going into last year in the offseason, it was Draymond Green, LeBron James, and um, PJ Tucker and one other guy were doing like a podcast. And they were discussing like, how do you show up for all 82 games in a year and, and like, you know, what factors and blah, blah, blah. Like, how do you show up for them, for them crappy teams, for the terrible teams, like the Kings. And they, they talked about the Kings in that category <laughs> and they're, and they're like, yeah, it's hard. Like you don't want to get up for those games. Cause they're just, they're the crap teams. You don't want to, you don't want to waste your energy here. It's on to the next one kind of thing. Obviously last year we turned it around and it was, it was, you know, kind of flipped that script. But one thing to note with that is now that, we are one of those better teams, guys like LeBron, guys like AD, Steph, Clay, you know, the top dogs in the league, they're going to start showing up for our games more. Obviously, Giannis has lit us up for his entire career, but that's just because he doesn't need to try necessarily. Same with Jokic. But, right. you know, we're going to start, we're going to see this form of players going forward. Like we can kind of come to expect big games from those big players. So it's kind of a good thing, but it's, it's also going to be kind of a pain to deal with. I think it just shows, and again, uh, I wasn't expecting Chris Paul to have the impact he had. He had like to ten points, twelve assists. Like he, had, you know, he was consistently keeping the team under control. Now that Draymond's back, and we'll see him tonight. That's not going to be fun, but it pushes Chris Paul back to the bench, back to the role that I that is going to benefit the Warriors even more so, as he'll be able to help during those Steph Curry minutes. Because once again, like we saw in the playoffs, they struggled without Steph except towards the end in the second half they were really rolling but in the first half they struggled that's how the Kings generated the big lead 
was Steph sat out, Kings went off, and uh, we thought, I thought at that point at halftime, I was like, we're in this, we're doing really well, we're fighting off the waves like normally the Warriors like to have, and again, just fell apart. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like they were doing anything that much more special compared, like if we have here, let me see, like total three pointers they were 14 to 32 we were 12 to 40 we struggled it was 30 percent. so we we weren't hitting our shots there we out rebounded them 41 39 then they had 32 assists we had 24 so it wasn't that crazy we each had three blocks they had 19 turnovers we had 14 and fouls were very much in the king's favors 24 to 16 and so and but the one thing that killed us too was we couldn't hit our free throws we were 20 to 29 you that was a struggle in years past last year we were better at it but the we then this happened in the lakers game too we're missing too many opportunities and it, i know it's early in the season so guys can kind of shore things up but i just didn't like the way that we're missing on the things that in these kind of games you gotta be perfect <laughs> you gotta you gotta make these plays count so yeah. i noticed that struggle was tough Definitely. Um, I think there's also something to be said, too, about the turnovers. Like, we won the turnover battle, and we shouldn't have. I think we had 14 or 16, and yeah. then they had 19, right? Correct. And where we didn't take advantage and where the Warriors did were those turnover points. And that's against against a team that, whether they will make mistakes or not, regardless, you have to be taking advantage of that, especially to win in the Western Conference, in the loaded Western Conference right now. Like, if if an opportunity is there, whether it's a free throw points off a turnover you got to take it so definitely there were some negatives in this game um you know one thing for me is fox i felt like he needed to do to do more earlier in that game against the warriors right um, he just if through the first so in the first quarter i believe he might have had a couple points but i think he was scoreless i i'm not he, sure so it was like he had seven points in the first and then he had like three points in the second and then like that's right and then like another low scoring third before he exploded for 22 in the fourth, but the 22 in the fourth has to be put into some context because that didn't really happen until the last five minutes of the game when the Kings were already down by 17 points. So it's at that point we were saying we were texting each other the whole time. Like this, this needed to happen sooner. Why haven't we seen it yet? Like, and again, he ended up finishing with 39 points, four boards, four assists, two steals, and he was five and nine from three. So like he's, he was there and he exploded. He literally took every single shot towards the end at that point right. and was able to claw it back to what a one possession game. Mm-hmm. The Warriors just couldn't find a way. Like again, the Kings locked in were went behind Fox and they just let him lead. And we saw the difference in the Lakers game when he took over for them. It was spread out through the majority of the game, but, and we're glad that they made that. They kind of made that adjustment, but, other guys stepped up too. Domus had a good game, 19 points, 18 boards, seven assists with three steals. Like he played really yeah. well. Sasha came off the bench, made an impact, had 10 points, four, six shooting. I was and really played happy. decent defense. Yeah. One thing with Sasha, like we noticed in the first game and we're still seeing it here. Guys are being left open a little bit because he's still getting used to defense, but he has active hands. He works on the boards. He, he hustles. And I really Does. like the, I really like the way he fits it. I know he had two in a row, two threes in a row and then he went for that heat check three that was really fun to see <laughs> i was made, happy with that same and he had made that he the crowd would went wild and the crowd was there the i thought that like everyone was there it was motivated but then steph steph uh just continued to own this team and 
you know, Clay played well. He had like what? Let me see here. He had 18 points, seven to 12 shooting, three boards, four assists, just consistent. Kavon Looney had a good game, eight points, yeah. 12 boards, six assists, three steals, and a block. Like, and he also had that nice cross on Domas where he took it to the rim, and that was a momentum killer. Yeah. So it was, and we needed more from our bench in this game. M- Monk struggled in this one. Davion didn't play well, and Keegan Murray was shooting not that great. And I didn't realize uh, going into the game that he had the wrap on his thumb, on a shooting thumb. Mm-hmm. So that's that looks like it's been hampering him, and he's still getting used to that. And I didn't even know that happened in the first place, so that kind of caught me off guard too. Yeah, um, I think another thing, Kevin Herter, he cannot go scoreless at any point if we want any chance of winning. He's not by no means like he's not our key player. Like if he does well, we're going to win. If he doesn't do well, we're going to lose. But I mean, as a starting shooting guard in this league and on this team that is demanding such high power quality offense at any given time to go completely scoreless through 15 minutes, you don't deserve to play another minute. And it wasn't that he wasn't necessarily putting an effort in other places. However, there was times where he took a couple plays off, quote unquote. I don't know if it was off, but in terms of what Mike Brown is expecting, it wasn't there. And right. that was why he got significantly less minutes than um, than the next guys up. So, um, you know, I think Kevin, he needs to at least put up 12, 13, 14 points. And he has to knock down some triples. When he was open. That's what bugged me. Yeah, and that when his role is very specific, so he's not going to get as many opportunities as Fox, Domas, Keegan. Uh, it's more within the flow of the offense, so he'll get he'll get at least eight or nine attempts a game, no problem, so long as everything's going well. He just needs to capitalize. We need him. The Kings need him to be more accurate, and it's hard because he ended the season on a poor slump, and now he you, you it picked up. We'll talk about it in the Lakers game. It started to pick up a little bit. Maybe that's a sign of good things to come, but. Those first two games, he was just, he came out flat. We can't have Davion Mitchell hitting his, you know, he, Davion Mitchell didn't hit any buckets at all that game either. So it was, you can't have your best, like your guys that need to produce a little bit more. They, we can't have them produce nothing. And like you mentioned, and they need to make an impact somewhere. And I think, especially like Malik was off too, like those guys, HB didn't do that well either. Like, Again, we already knew this was coming where, the, you know, he would regress to the means like he'll some games he's there, some games he's not. I think uh, he needed to be a little more physical in that game, too. It just I think what the Kings were did really well early on was attack the rim, attack the bucket and work for good shots. And then they really just settled when they were when they started falling behind and losing momentum. They they like tried to settle a little bit. And when you settle against the, the Warriors team, Seth and them are going to capitalize every single time. So it's, I was, there was things that positive to take away and things that were like, Oh, we regressed back to those mistakes, those bad habits, but the warriors know us just like we know them better than anybody else at this point. And we already, and they're now, like you mentioned earlier, they are waking up to play us. Now they're excited. They're circling that game on the calendar. Uh, Cause they just want to prove a point that they're still legit. And so long as Steph keeps shooting like this, they will be legit. But I know at some point it's going to fizzle out a little bit. It's going to cost them a couple games. But where he's in a hot stretch, and that's just going to that's going to be problematic moving forward. Yeah, and super unfortunate for us. While we have to play them three times in the first three to four weeks of the season, like that's it's crazy. That's not fair at all. So I'm going to ask you <laughs> final thoughts on this game before we move on to the next one. 
Final thoughts. I was happy with Fox's performance to finish it. The way that he was able to step up, I think, set the tone moving forward. It's going into the Lakers game. It was nice to see just him kind of go back into takeover mode. And we were wondering if that was even going to happen in the first place, especially after the Jazz game. He didn't really need to do all that much. So I was happy with a few of the guys, but definitely things needed to be cleaned up. And they did. So I'm not going to complain. But final thoughts on this game was... It was it was disappointing to say the least. Yeah, agreed. Um, but I think we can also find a little bit of happiness knowing one, it's early in the season. Two, this has been a really really fun matchup to watch the last two years. Like right. you know, just with the history now of this the last playoff series and everything just weighing into it, it's it's really fun to watch these two teams go to work and. Honestly, I as much as I hate the guy, I love watching Steph pop off. It's I know there is nothing like it. To me, it's more fun to watch than LeBron popping off. And I'm sorry, shout out Alex. I know he's gonna be <laughs> upset. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that um I think Steph just does such a good job of I think he's he's adapted even more so now. He's attacking differently. Uh it seems each and every game he just finds new ways to do what he needs to do. So hopefully tonight the Kings can catch him on an off night. Maybe Davion on him instead might just have a different role or maybe more of Duarte, however they want to attack it. But no, yep. no, good game. At least they, the score didn't justify like how bad we were playing towards the end, but I'm glad it wasn't a 20-point blowout. You can learn more from an 8-point loss than a 20-point blowout where the team didn't give up. Fox said we're not giving up. So I'm glad everyone was able to get behind him there. So And speaking of not giving up, Kings versus Lakers. What a match. That was, that was a fun one. This is another uh, arrival of the Sacramento Kings. Has been for years and years. And uh, this game just added to that to that fire between both teams. So the Kings won 132 to 127 through four and a half quarters. They went to OT. And it was it was fun. It was frightening. It was disheartening. And then it was awesome. and. The reason for that is early on, obviously the Kings got up to a good lead. I think they were up by uh, 14 at one point, 12 or 14. Mm -hmm. Not sure what the biggest lead was. It was around there. And um, and then they kind of took their foot off the gas pedal, which I'm not sure why, but that's been something we've struggled with even last year. We will get up early and then we'll just get complacent and kind of slow down and then let teams catch right back up. And then it's a ball game by halftime. Um, so a little bit, you know, disheartening there. And then through the third quarter, it was a close game. And then the fourth quarter, somebody got hurt. Oh yeah. And yeah, our boy Foxy had to take a dive. He rolled over, uh, Gabe Vincent's ankle while driving to the rim with about eight minutes to go in the fourth. And the Kings were up where Kings were down five points here. And to allude to, Again, just like the Warriors game, it wasn't as dramatic, but they only put up 21 points in that third quarter. It, they, they got outscored 28-21, came out flat. This one was a little slower because the Lakers weren't really in a groove either, and the Kings put up 41 in the first. They came out hot again, and it was kind of a slow comeback for the Lakers. They took their time. But the Fox injury was interesting because we were nervous. We're like, oh, no, this is bad because Fox at that point was starting to get back into its takeover mode. Things were happening. The momentum was starting to shift again. 
and he was down for an extended period of time and we saw him limp off. I don't know. What was, what was your feeling when he was limping off? Did you think that we actually had a chance to win that game? How do you, you know, we'll talk about it in a second, but at that point, did you think we were winning that game? I don't think there was a large percentage of percentage of Kings or Lakers fans that thought that the Kings would end up winning that game. Um, the timing of his injury was, was terrible. Um, the, the fact he was down for as long as he was limped off the court. And it was this feeling of like, regardless, we're going to lose this game to not have our franchise guy, our, our MVP. It was like, Oh crap. Like we're, this is going to be a rough, however many games. Obviously, we were thinking the worst because when you see a guy hobble off and not even take a look at the bench, it's that's rough. And you kind of come to expect not the worst, but just at least something really bad. Um, and then I think it was like a minute and a half or two minutes later as I'm crying and, and you know, <laughs> curled up in the corner, this man comes running out of the tunnel ready to uh, go back in the game. Obviously, he was still hurt. Visibly hurt. limping, visibly yep. limping, but he, uh, he got us to OT. So at that point we were down, right? I think we were down still five or something like that. Yeah, down five. And yep. another layer of context, Domas fouled out yes. in that time period as well. So all of a sudden when Fox comes back in, we're going small. The lineup was what it was. It was De'Aaron. Oh man. Who else? Kevin was there. Keegan. Mm-hmm. Barnes, Barnes, and then I know we we were shuffling between we had like, Sasha because we had a super Sankoff. small lineup at first. Mm-hmm. So going out there against AD and LeBron, we were a little nervous. We're like, this is kind of small, but Keegan stepped up after being a little cold. He hit a clutch shot to tie the game. Kevin yeah. was making big plays, was being active on the boards, and he made it an awesome block in OT. But in that fourth quarter, De'Aaron just said, "Hey, I'm here." I'm still playing. He told Mike, he's like, I'm in. And when you roll your ankle that bad, it's not, it's only going to get worse the less you do. So had he just stopped and not played at that point, had he stayed in the locker room for an extended period of time, he definitely wouldn't have been able to come back at all. And you watched as the fourth quarter slowly came down that he was, it was, it was, it was rough to watch, but he's still on offense when you have the ball. They they say this a lot. It's a cliche. When you have the ball, you're healed. Everything, all, all injuries are gone. You don't feel anything. And you can see he's trying, as a left-handed player, he has to explode off the right foot, which is the foot that he rolled. So you, you're watching him lose a little bit of that power. But the first thing he does when he comes in is hit a step back three over AD. <laughs> and then yeah. he goes and hits a nice mid-range over Torian Prince to just keep momentum going. And that's exactly what you want from your leader. So... I was really happy. Yeah, it was, it was really good to see. So he got us to, he got us in a position to actually win the game. And then unfortunately LeBron had to go and be LeBron and, you know, tie it up at the end of the game. However, there was still two seconds left in the game. Um, there was, there was less, there was a possession left. The Kings got it. They found a wide, wide open Keegan Murray who could have solidified himself that would have been like awesome. A go-to guy at any given time. Oh wait, you know what? Actually, I take that back. He's still <laughs> that guy to me. My the reason, like the reason I go about that route is just just because he missed that shot doesn't mean I don't want him shooting that twelve times out of ten times. Yeah, exactly. Like he has, in my opinion, and I think in a lot of 
um, a lot of the Kings players and that coaching staff, especially Mike Brown, he has the greenest light imaginable. If he feels open, he shoots. It. There was yeah. a moment in this game. Do you you know what I'm talking about? I already know where you're going you, with this. Would you like to Would you like to explain what happened? So Keegan was so just like Ben said. We've never had a player. I don't even think there's a player in the NBA outside of Steph, but I don't think there's a younger player in this league that has a greener light when your coach will take you out for not shooting. <laughs> so Keegan was, it was just, they were running a normal DHO play and Keegan passes up a shot because there was a smaller defender coming up on him. I think it was Delo, and Mike visibly just loses his mind yelling at Keegan and he gets Sasha. He's like, you're coming in. He's coming in. He didn't take the shot. He's not doing it. And then, and keep in mind, Keegan's trying to shake off a rough shooting night. He's, he doesn't, he's not confident in himself. He missed quite a few in a row. And on the ensuing possession, the Lakers come down. Keegan makes an awesome defensive play. And then he comes down and hits the three on the very next possession. And Mike Brown sends Sasha back to the bench. He knew Keegan basically knew exactly what was happening. So he, he told Mike, Mike, Mike Brown after the post game press conference, like Keegan looked at me and said, F you man. Like that was pretty much the moment. And that's the, I think again, Keegan's such a calm guy, such a even keeled type of player that when you have such an eccentric coach like Mike Brown, I think it's a perfect mix to kind of get the best out of him. He's saying, hey, we trust you enough to make these mistakes. Don't worry about making a mistake. You're going to get better because of it. And it was a big moment in that game. And again, it led to Keegan making big shots down the way. Again, he missed the game potential game winner, but he hit a game-tying shot, a huge shot earlier. So the light was still there, and he was still clicking, and he was able to make a couple plays in overtime too. So. Definitely. And there's something to be said too, whether we even, I bet you we drew up that play at the end for Keegan. And if Keegan doesn't show that he's willing to shoot the ball and then say F you to his head coach, I don't think we draw up to play for him at that point, you know, mm -hmm. and he got it to him in a great spot, a great opportunity. And you know what? It hit front iron. It was all lined up. Like everything was there. It was just as simple as it was just a, a shorter shot. And right. so there is nothing wrong with that play. I guarantee you they're going to go right back to it when they need it again, because mm -hmm. there's a lot of faith that Mike has in Keegan. And there's a lot of faith that this organization has in Keegan. They picked them early in the draft. We picked him early in the draft, fifth overall. Like there's, was it fifth or sixth? Fourth. Was it fourth? Fourth. Yeah. Excuse me. No, you're okay. Like it was, there's a reason we picked him at four. And there's a reason why he started for us in his rookie year. And we're going to continue to ask the most of him at any given time. And yeah, we're making anyway. that, we're making that Jaden Ivy decision look so much better. And I already knew that I was hoping we didn't do that, but right. I mean, through the first three games, he's putting up 16.7 boards and two assists, one and a half, 1.7 steals and 1.3 blocks. His defense has stepped up. He's yep. more physical. He's reading blocks a lot better. Now, again, he's not shooting great. He's shooting about 38% from the field, 34 from three. In context, Fox is shooting better from three, shooting 38% right now for this season. Yeah. And so, but again, this is something that Keegan can come back from no problem. I'm not, I'm not worried about him in the slightest, especially with the thumb. I think he's getting used to that. And I don't know how long that's going to be on him. But uh, no, I was, I was happy with what I saw from Keegan. I think the, again, the confidence is coming. He's getting used to taking players off the dribble. He had to make a couple plays like that. And I think now with Fox out, that opportunity is only going to be even more so. He's going to be asked to take even more shots. He might be the leader in shots taken for this team. 
coming up in this next uh next game here but just like uh fourth quarter fox is a real sustainable thing we have to talk about ot malik monk and his ability to just take over in games when we go to overtime it just seems like he comes in and it's he's fresh like the game just started for him so malik monk put 11 of his 22 points in overtime damn near outscored the lakers who put up 13 as a team so what was your what were your thoughts watching malik take over in overtime it it was it was normal malik monk to me honestly and i don't know why i ever doubted us going into the to overtime i think it had a lot to do with the fact we saw how much foxy was visibly limping and we we're like we don't have Domas, we don't have Fox. They still have AD and LeBron, who both played awesome games to that point. For like, sure. We were, we were getting the best of the Lakers, and they were not getting the best of us at that point. And then this guy comes in, just hops off, like Marcos said, 11 points in OT. It was two triples, an and one, and two free throws after that. Like, and a very clutch assist to Kevin Herter. Very clutch, and got to hand that kid some credit. Because he's been struggling to that point, and when we needed him most to hit that three, he did. I know he missed one right before that, but he shot it again from the same spot, and it was butter. And exactly. that was exactly what we needed. And just seeing him after he hits that shot, like hold his hands up, and he was just like, it was a sigh of relief. <laughs> like I got one, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it was, it was really cool to see because it felt like he broke through a barrier hitting that shot. Malik broke through a barrier and getting comfortable with our system again this year. I know he's. He's not uncomfortable, but especially for a bench player, you constantly see rotations like, um, you know, even a six man, you'll see a lot of new guys every season. You might see guys pop in and out of the bench per trades each year. Like your starting lineup's pretty set at any given time. Right. So that's definitely like something you got to consider. He's got a new running mate too in JaVale McGee. Now they're awesome together and I mm -hmm. love that duo, but yeah, it was it was awesome, man. I, I just love what I saw from Malik, and we needed him. Yeah, and going back on Kevin, Kevin did a really good job in this game. Just they were talking, they made this point on the broadcast that, you know, coaches don't give up on players just because they're not shooting great. And this Kings organization likes to push their players to do more than just put the ball in the bucket. They asked Kevin to go get rebounds. He got seven, made some really crucial rebounds at the end there. Asked him to play defense. He stuffed Austin Reeves on a three point attempt and basically stole the ball on a block from Anthony Davis, very clutch in overtime. And when you put up 12 points, seven boards, and he had four assists too. So he he did a little bit of everything. And I think that's the Kevin that the Kings were used to seeing. That's the Kevin that you trade for. That's the potential he has. And he can be even better than that. So I think this this game, this Lakers game, was a good jumping off point for him to continue to be better. And I don't know if maybe the playing the Warriors so often and just all the nerves from the from the playoff matchup sticks with him a little bit. Maybe just playing the Warriors so often might be bugging him a bit and seeing new faces guarding different players might, you know, just got his juices back up again. So I was happy to see him. Kevin did a really good job stepping up. So so I want to I want to point out a, a really cool couple items on this game, actually specifically on LeBron. But before oh, we get yeah, into that. Okay. Yeah, before we get into that, I wanted to ask you any final thoughts on this one. I got to give credit to um, 
to the Lakers for actually doing what they do. Um, I'm glad that it, the matchup ended the way it did. Like it was so, this was a good, like every team needs this. They need to win games like this when the odds are stacked against you. I mean, LeBron's he, what did he have? I'm, I'm looking at this here. He had 39 minutes. So, so much for the minutes restriction. We called that yeah. right away. I, he blew by it mm-hmm. and he had 27 points, 15 boards, eight assists off of 11, 19 shooting, but the Kings hampered him with eight turnovers, which was very un-LeBron-like. And AD, wondering if he was going to show up, which version of AD were we getting? We got the good one. We got the all-star, 30 points, 16 boards, two steals, two six, and three blocks. And say what you want, one thing I'm proud of us for not mentioning was the discrepancy in the fouls and the free throws. But again, it is the Lakers, and last year they were second when they did the stat in adjusted calls who gets the more favorable calls the late you know the lakers were up there and they always will be it's just how it works i mean they had 34 free throw attempts off of 28 fouls on us gosh just like us they struggled they hit 26 of 34 and the kings again 17 to 24 from the free throw line there were moments in this game where it just felt like the once the lakers took the lead it just felt like man we're just not playing our game so i'm Shout out to the Lakers for giving us a good game after not after kind of falling behind early. But that's those are the kind of games that we need to win. And the Kings need to face that kind of pressure. So we struggled to do it against the Warriors, but we were able to kind of exercise that demon. And again, having Fox just pump us up again, give the team a little energy boost that I think was very needed and just showed what kind of leader he is. So obviously, we're not going to have him moving forward. Hopefully, they said that the injury is only going to be hopefully it's a mild ankle sprain moderate so they're hoping it's going to be about a week week and a half so ballpark anywhere between three to five games last year his or two years ago his grade three ankle sprain cost him 15 to 17 games so it's nothing like that uh so that's a good thing but definitely something you don't want for our future matchup but no the lakers game was great i i'm just happy that we got a win and we get to walk out of that two uh, first three games, two and one. And that's great considering how some of these teams have started. Houston not getting a win. Memphis looking as bad as everyone thought they were going to look without jaw. And it's, uh, we need to stack these wins, especially when the Warriors are giving up losses to the Suns and the Suns just choked it off against San Antonio. That was a wild finish. They had so a it's 22 point lead in that game. And Kevin Durant just lets them steal the ball to, I know. Go, that was, that's bad. That's so, your boy. Get your boy, man. Yeah, I know. KD. <laughs> I always love KD. For those who don't know, he was the reason I followed NBA so religiously. And it's sad to see this kind of... He, he did well in the fourth, but he, I, and I don't know if you saw just a little on topic that his mom was coming up on the double team. So he was getting double teamed. And if you look on the corner of the screen, his mom is like on the, like right there. Like she's like, really? I'm going to help you fight this double team, bro. <laughs> it was so fun. <laughs> it was bad. But no, like, so... The West is open. OKC looks good. Like it's going to be interesting. It's going to be it's going to look a lot different this year, especially now the Clippers traded for Harden. Who knows how that's going to turn out for them if they're going to if it's going to sustain and they they screwed themselves for the future. But that's a different conversation. Yeah. But so it, the West is going to be weird again. And the Kings are in a good position. And again, with our depth to survive any kind of nicks and bruises that the we deal with along the way. But any final thoughts for you on the Lakers game? I know you said I you had a couple just, nuggets you wanted to give yeah. out. 
And, you know, final thoughts wise, I was just happy that, you know, the narrative all off season was, well, yeah, the Kings are good. They might be, you know, the second best or third best, um, you know, in their division. But that's that's like if they do the best they can, they'll be second because they're not beating a healthy, a healthy Lakers team. Hmm. Last night we were unhealthy, well, relatively speaking, and we won that game. And I can see us winning at least one or two more of those. Right. So we definitely shut that narrative up that we can't beat a Lakers team, a healthy Lakers team. And who knows, AD and LeBron, unfortunately, you know, at the point in their careers, they're not necessarily reliable for 82 games. They might only be good for 60. I don't know. They might be good for 82. It's right. it's hard to say, but it's it's not common. And I know we play the Lakers, I think, one more time coming up, mm-hmm. and then we play them again towards the end of the season, like midway and then end of the season. So right. we're going to see the Lakers throughout the season at different points. Who knows our health? Who knows their health? Like, it's to pick up one of these was nice, and to pick up this one where they're fully healthy gives me a lot of confidence in this team if we were to match up against them in the playoffs. Right, and it so, did help that we that this win was off of a bounce back loss that was very disappointing. So the Kings could have easily yes. lost this game and just kind of fallen, you know, oh man, like we're in a little mini slump. Nope, we fought back, stayed strong. And uh, yeah, no, to be able to beat LeBron at any time is important. And again, like you mentioned, healthy. And Phoenix, who knows when those three guys are ever going to see the floor together? Like they're <laughs> they're not healthy at all either. So that's the, this is those are the gambles you take with players who have a history of not being healthy. So, so cool nugget for this game on October 29th, 20 years ago, LeBron James played his first NBA game in Sacramento, obviously against the Kings, and the Kings picked up the win in that one. But you know, here we are 20 years later, October 29th, and we're matched up against LeBron in Sacramento. So that's that's already pretty cool. It was cool to see kind of that 20-year, you know, full circle moment. Right. But then another couple of cool things happened. He had a um a breakaway jam which 20 years ago, he had a breakaway jam that if you go and watch the video of his dunk back, you know, 20 years ago, it was literally a cut and paste dunk from the one that he had <laughs> this year. And yeah. it was it was kind of crazy. It was kind of crazy to look at. Now, in that picture, in the one from 20 years ago, there's a guy trailing who's on the Kings at that time, Doug Christie, who is also in attendance at this game as an assistant <laughs> coach for the Sacramento <laughs> Kings. So talk about a major flashback for that guy, right? Right. But really cool to see there. Um, also, another like a reach one was LeBron scored a jumper to make the score six to seven. And did the same thing to make it six to seven 20 years ago. Right. So a couple, a couple kind of crazy moments happened. Obviously, you know, all eyes were on, you know, well, how many times did this happen versus this, you know, but it was, it was cool to see both times, you know, Kings get the win. LeBron did well in both games. Um, so shout out LeBron freaking crazy to be succeeding for this many years of his career. Every single game he plays now, he's going to be setting the record for best game by a player in their 21st year. He's going to shatter any yeah. record that he has this year. What he do, what he's doing is just unprecedented, never yeah. seen before. And it's blessed to have been able to watch him throughout his illustrious career. 
And again, we got the best of him. He got a damn near triple double on us. So, yep. but it's good again to win despite all of that negativity, losing our best player. That's, that's a great sign for us moving forward. And that just shows how well coached we are. This team is prepared and ready to go. So we'll move on now to kind of what we're anticipating moving forward. So the next few games we got, we're going to go on a road trip playing the Warriors, obviously in San Fran, like Ben mentioned earlier. Then we got a back-to-back, well, I don't, it's a back-to-back series, home-at-home series with the Houston Rockets. And then we get the Portland Trailblazers on the, uh, at home. So that next four stretch to have lost De'Aaron Fox for just a bit about a small amount of time through this stretch, they said a realistic target date for Fox could be the OKC game on November 10th. That's about a week, week and a half out. So that would be a great game to get him back. But this is also a good four game stretch for the Kings to kind of have lost him, if any. And it's early. They can still recover from this. They can still, in in theory, they can beat the Warriors should they get Steph on a not so historic game. If Steph has 91 points against the Kings in the past two games he's played, that's not fair. So if we could limit him to under 30, we might have a chance today. But I don't know. Under 30, no more than five or six threes. Like he needs to, he needs to struggle a little bit and he's been cooking. So he put up 42 against new Orleans in a pretty F you kind of fashion crossed up Dylan Brooks to the point where he scared where Steph stared him, scared himself. So I just, um, I think that no matter, even if this game doesn't go the way that we hope, I do believe that the Kings are deep enough and more experienced to be able to beat Houston twice and Portland as well. And we can, we'll go over some of the roster guys here, but two and one, two and two. If we lose tonight, then what? If we win our next three, like we planned, that's five and two. So that wouldn't take that. Exactly. So it's even these early losses are not a worst case scenario. Keep in mind, the Kings started 0 and 4 last year before going on their run. And this is very sustainable. So we'll look at the Warriors game. Obviously, Darren Fox is out and Trey Lyles is also out. Jonathan Kamingo was questionable. But this time they have Draymond Green. Clay Thompson's probable, so we'll probably see him in this one. I wonder, I wonder now without Fox, if the if this is kind of a whew, overlook game for the Warriors, considering how well they've been playing. I just wonder if they might give Steph some more minutes off because they won't have to deal with a Fox surge. What do you think are some of the things that might happen in this game in terms of like things that are important? Who needs to step up in this game? for to make up for the let me look off these ridiculous averages 31.6 assists in four boards a game we're waking up for 31 points here who needs to step up for the kings to surprise the warriors without De'Aaron Fox so personally I think it's two guys um that we that we need to see step up like individually mm-hmm. but I I think we need to see the full team really play the fullest game that they possibly can because you can win without your best player in this league. It's been done and it will continue to happen. Um, The best teams do it by distributing those 31 points amongst other players. So, you know, you got, you got Domas who can put up points at any given time. Keegan, he's, he's going to have, he's going to have to have a really big night. Like that's, that's kind of a, a mandatory. Obviously, you got to lean on Malik coming off the bench and being a spark plug. Um, 
you know, Kevin Herter, he's definitely got to put up more than 13. And tonight, I think he needs to be in the 20s, personally. I think he needs to be in the 20s. I think Malik needs to be in the 20s. Domas definitely needs to be in the 20s. And we need to try and control the glass to take away their second chance opportunities as best we can. Because we got to limit mistakes tonight. We got to limit how many times we get them at the free throw line. Like easy points for the Warriors is all they can ask for in this game. And they're not having to work, you know, and, and it's just, there's a lot of factors that play into this one, but there is one guy and I'm going to ask you if you can read my mind. Oh, okay. who I think is like the most important, the key player to tonight's success for the Kings. Davion Mitchell. Correct. Oh, thank God. The, okay. <laughs> the reason being, I mean, it, it's kind of self-explanatory. Um, he's, he hasn't been our reliable offense option, like at any given point in his career. Unfortunately, he just hasn't been able to put it together mm-hmm. defensively. He's small. He's a dog. He stays in front of you. Um, but he does get called for ticky-tack fouls because he hasn't necessarily earned anything in this league. Yeah. And so tonight, what we really, really need to see from him and where we will win this game is if he has an offensive explosion. And I do think that he's probably going to be the sole reason why we win or lose this game. He's going to, I think he's replacing Foxy in the starting lineup. Correct. I yes. haven't seen that yet. Okay. So I think, I think he's our key guy. I mean, what do you think? I, I agree that he needs to take a big step in this game. And in historically, when Foxy has been out, Davion has excelled as a starter. He's good at, he's good at being a traditional point guard when the offense scoring when needed, and we found a little bit in the Lakers game that he was trying to he was starting to find a rhythm hitting a mid-range jumper hitting his first three. So I think what the Kings really need to do is can be physical, try to hound the paint, just get get them uncomfortable, don't put you, they got to force the issue. Just like how they were controlling the first half of the game, they were getting bullcrap foul calls that the that had Steve Kerr just cussing him out saying we're getting effed in the <laughs> you know all mm-hmm. that stuff. They need to bring that kind of energy, especially on the road. They need to prove that they're the more physical team. And Davion is huge. And we're going to see, because of that, we're going to see some Colby Jones minutes that are valuable. So I'm interested to see how the Rook looks today. He's going to get some extended, he's going to get an extended look. I think Sasha needs to step up and he. we're going to need him a little bit. Especially, I think it's been noticeable how, the, I wonder what this team is going to look like once Trey comes back. I really am excited for Trey to come back. Given, considering the role he played and how well he meshed with the guys, especially the starters, um, mm. once he was able to come in. And I know that if we had Trey and Sasha in there at the same time, that it's just going to, the, the potential is there. So I was, I know he's dealing with the calf and I want him back so bad, but Keegan needs to be huge. HB needs to be physical and just take it to the rim. He's been, he's been really good at getting to the rim, picking his spots, going slow and just, getting in for easy layups and easy buckets. If he, We need him to be physical. I don't know who Draymond's going to be on tonight. I don't know if they're going to have him on Sabonis or just have Kevon Looney on Sabonis because that's been the fine matchup anyway. So Sabonis needs to... He, the offense is going to run through Sabonis mainly. So I'm not really nervous about, you know, if Davion isn't distributing well, even though he will be. He just needs to lock down defensively for the time that he's guarding Steph. The team needs to rebound, like you mentioned. And try not to settle. And that's going to be interesting when you don't have 
an automatic bucket in De'Aaron Fox who doesn't have to right. settle. So it'll be interesting to see how the Warriors decide to play us and how they're going to manage Chris Paul off the bench. They need to limit his impact and try to get this team into uncharacteristic turn uncharacteristic turnovers like we did the other night. So yeah. yeah, definitely agreed. So we're coming up towards game time. We're about 10 minutes away from tip off. So I'm going to ask you, um, who do you think, if you had to guess, has the biggest night for us tonight? For us, I it's statistically, I think it's going to be Domas, just because he's been quietly continuing to do the same things that he's been doing. Um, but I think the person who, who could have the biggest night could be Keegan. And I don't know if they have a legit answer for him once he gets going. So it'll be interesting to see how the offense I'm interested to see how the, how this offense is going to go. And if Keegan is really going to take more shots tonight and he needs to be effective. I we need Kevin to be effective and just kind of, we, they, we need our starters to set the tone early so we don't fall behind way too early because this warrior starting crew is now healthy and ready to go. And now yep. we're the ones that are hurt. We're missing our key player. They need to be the the Warriors could come right at right in and just punch us in the mouth on the road. So they need to the Kings need to lock in and just stick to the fundamentals, stick to the basics, don't overthink things, don't make things complicated. But Keegan needs to have the big game, I think. Domas will be statistically the best, but Keegan needs to have the big game. Yeah, I think I think I agree with that. Um I I've gotta say to the Kings fans, like if we lose this game it's early in the season. Um, obviously, yeah, don't panic. Yeah, obviously, wins right now in the Western Conference they matter, like, like a ton. But not having Foxy just gives more experience to the guys who need it more, right? Mm-hmm. And so these guys will be able to find a rhythm, or they won't find a rhythm, but they'll get more comfortable playing, and it'll just be that much better once we reintroduce Foxy to the starting lineup. We're gonna be that much more ready. We've still got Trey Lyles coming back, and I don't know the timeline for his injury. Do you know? They said he was coming back soon. Like, he's engaging in activities and basketball activities. It was a calf strain, so they're trying to be a little easier, a little more cautious with it, considering the depth that we have. It's mm-hmm. not as urgent. Um, so hopefully okay. within the next couple of games, we're going to see him in the lineup. So, so that'll be huge to get him back, because mm-hmm. like Marcos is saying, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see, really interesting to see how – we incorporate him in and what kind of lineups we're going to go with. Like that's the other thing is Mike Brown has different guys on this team that are more versatile. And so he can switch up these lineups and we're going to see him continue to switch up these lineups probably through the first 20 games or so. Mm-hmm. Um, we will find that rhythm about 25, 30 games on. And that's when I expect and will want us to go on our major run. And at that point, it's just, it's going to be, how good are we right how good can this team right. be so don't get too discouraged if it's a if there's a loss tonight especially we've got houston two games in a row portland another game we need to be able to pick all three of those up but picking up at least <laughs> two would be really nice right so we'll so now we'll, we'll kind of taper off and just do a quick little breakdown of what we're looking forward to i think between houston and portland i think houston will actually be the tougher matchup just because of the talent they have they have a baby Domas and Alfred Sengun, who has been their best player. And they have, you know, a fun little rookie that I really like, Amen Thompson. They have Jalen Green, who's been consistent, but still trying to find his groove. 
Jabari Smith Jr. Like they have a lot of young, good pieces. It's just a and Ime Doko is obviously coaching them, but they're zero and three. And Dylan Brooks, I forgot. I just didn't want to mention his name, but I I think considering I and Fred Van Fleet, I forgot. He's a guy who usually who has played really well against the Kings in recent history. He put up thirty nine on us last time we faced him in Toronto. So there's they have pieces that can contribute. They just haven't gelled together yet. They haven't really established anything yet. I think this core can do something, but to get them back to back, I really think that the Kings have just like a step above them in every single position. We have a guy who's just like one step better, and we have more depth. So I think that we can take a two and zero versus them before going on to Portland. But what do you think? Are you are you nervous about an, either matchup between Houston or Portland? I'm I'm actually not nervous win or lose because of kind of building off of what I just said. It's a chance for these guys, for the Kings to develop without Foxy on the court and really find their own games this season. Um and yeah, I just I'm I'm really looking forward to especially when you pay, play those teams who are going to make mistakes and give you a little bit more confidence and more opportunities to go down the court and try something else or or establish yourself in another way in the game, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's just building confidence playing against the crappier teams. And and it's it's kind of true. Like if you play these really good teams early on and you're not healthy or you are healthy and you're losing and you're not figuring things out like it's demoralizing. And then you go in against the games against the teams that aren't as good and you're like this this sucks like we should be beating this team but you know we're struggling and blah 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 so yeah i'm i'm excited from from that aspect like i want to see us just kind of find a rhythm um and especially like key and develop some more confidence he's already got a lot of it but to the point he doesn't pass up open shots like that yeah he needs to be the guy that i think that I think, again, for Kings fan, he's going to have the greenest light, too. Like, even if he goes 6 for 16, we're going to be like, every shot that he takes feels like a good shot. So it's going to get to the point where he's going to be taking and making the majority of those shots. So one thing, too, that we got to look forward to, the Kings were so good last year on the road. They were tied with Milwaukee for the best record on the road out of anybody last year. So this this that's just a sign of great coaching and these guys being prepared consistently and. I just know that they'll continue that moving forward. But so we got Houston and then, you know, Portland, they haven't been playing Chris Murray, which is kind of a bummer. I, I I saw that. I was looking at their little things. They, you know, Malcolm Brogdon's been leading the way. Scoot Henderson, they got DeAndre Ayton, J- Jeremy Grant, Shaden Sharp's been playing really well. He's been taking a little bit of a jump this year. I, I think Portland's kind of like a sneaky, talented team with Robert Williams as well. So they have like, they have pieces there but they're obviously a rebuilding team focused on the future, obviously after the Dame trade. Um, it was, so I'm, I'm, I was a little more hyped for it until I saw, you know, that they weren't playing Chris. I wanted Chris and Key and to have a little moment together and who knows, maybe they will, but I think that we'll be able to take that game too. Uh, even though Deandre does give us a little bit of trouble, but that's what we have JaVale for. So we can, we can go big on big should we need to. Exactly. So I'm I'm not worried about. I think we if we go three and zero before going to OKC, or before we see OKC, I will feel really confident. So, definitely, yeah, I agree. So, any final thoughts on this upcoming stretch? No, I'm I'm looking forward to it, but I'm also going to miss Foxy. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Just got to take care of business. This will show our character. The Grizzlies were really great without yeah. Jaw last year. 
And I don't think that's a knock on jaw because very clearly now they're struggling without him. But that's more than just jaw. If the Kings can hold on without Fox and just keep winning and then Fox comes back and then we can just go right back to business. I'm I'll feel even more confident. I this is just a testament to Mike Brown and hopefully he keeps this team prepared. And hey, hopefully we steal one tonight. This will be really cool to win on the road at Golden State. And uh I'm 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 a little nervous, but I'm excited. So I wanted to switch real quick because um I wanted to get this on the air before uh Thursday. We're gonna switch to football for just a second. Thursday night football. It's Tennessee and Pittsburgh, right? So oh. I know Will Levis. Uh, Will Levis is, uh, had a four-touchdown explosion, and Steelers, I think, are without Kenny Pickett. Their Mitch Trubisky will be yep. playing, and they came off of a disappointing loss where Deontay Johnson was complaining about the refs. So who do you have winning this game? Who would you have to pick? I think it's at Pittsburgh. So That's tough. That's a weird matchup, too. It, it, it matters a ton, too. I'm leaning Tennessee. But and it's just because I don't trust Mitch Trubisky. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think I'm gonna go Tennessee in this one. I'm gonna say Tennessee twenty three sixteen. Yeah, I'll say that too. I'll say the same score. That's fine with me. Him and I think when you have a young quarterback who doesn't really know too much, and you have DeAndre Hopkins, and all you have to do is spam him over and over and over again. Yeah. You're gonna, that's that's yeah. how they that's how they beat Atlanta. It's a sustainable system and. When guys like that, this is the same thing that's going to happen with Devontae now that Jimmy G's benched. Like, you have Aiden Oh, O'Connor. my gosh. You have Aiden the Raiders O'Connor. just blew up. Yeah, Josh McDaniels is gone. Their GM is gone. That's a conversation for tomorrow that we're definitely going to have. Definitely. But, yeah, sorry. But, no, no, no. You're good. But that's – I yeah. So I'm going to give it to Tennessee. I'm nervous because every time I feel like I pick Tennessee, they let me down. But, hey, we'll, same. we'll see what happens. But I just wanted to get that on the air before we, you know, hit on Thursday. We'll have our picks out tomorrow anyway. But just, yep. you know, just so – we have extra coverage, so you guys don't think we're <laughs> jacking it up here. Um, no, definitely. But yeah, so I think with that being said, this was episode 15 of the Behind the Back podcast. Feel free to send us an email at behindthebackpod13 at gmail.com. Hit us up on our socials, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, X, Facebook, all that fun stuff. We're posting our picks weekly, so you can follow along, even though we're not doing the picks pod. Our records are still up there. I'm still kicking Ben's ass. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> we're <laughs> we're doing great. So feel free to follow along, and we're going to talk football tomorrow. We're, we felt like it was appropriate to just talk Kings, considering it's been a minute. So we were, And we were just really feeling Kings prior to the game. So hopefully they steal the dub tonight. I am Marcos Conan-Negron, and beside me here is... Ben Retz, the Jet. That is right. So we'll see you guys tomorrow. We'll talk tomorrow. So later. Peace. Peace.